And Lord, this morning we pray for your word. As we look at your word right now, I pray you'd encourage us, Lord God. You'd build us, Lord. You'd speak to every one of us this morning, Lord God. Do something significant on the inside of us, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what. You can, can you stand up with me this morning for a moment? Let's shake it off a little bit this morning. Why don't you turn the person on your left? Give someone a back massage on their left-hand side. Let's put the lights up a little bit this morning, please. Turn the person on your right. Give them a little bit of a massage. All right, you can take a seat. Come on. Fantastic. Well, this morning, I want to speak from the topic, overflowing grace. Overflowing grace. Who knows that when we encounter a living, real, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ, something happens. The love of Jesus is poured out into our life. His grace, the hope of who Jesus is, is poured out into us. And there's an overflowing effect. Kind of like when a river busts its banks, when it starts to overflow, there's an effect that takes place. It starts to change the scenery around it. It starts to have an effect on the places around it, the people around it, the roads around it. It has has an effect even with the fragrance and the smell that some of that flood water can sometimes have. And we can think about that at many times when it comes to a flood just naturally into all of the negative components of it, how it can restrict road access, how it can cause a great smell to kind of be around the people. And it can have all of these effects when it comes to knocking down trees and all those different things that can take place. A flood has an effect. But can I encourage you this morning to think about it in terms of your salvation life, the flood effect that's had on you. The flood effect that it's had on your family, on your friendships, on the people that are around you. It's changed the scenery of your life. Instead of seeing despair, you can now see hope. Instead of seeing the, the, the fragrance of negativity and, and death that can sometimes be around us, there's a fragrance of life and there's a fragrance of hope that comes out of our lives as well. That is the power of the grace of Jesus Christ. It overflows and affects other people. Do you know, as a church, when it comes to us here as city church here at Mount Riverview and and Lawson and across the Blue Mountains, I hope that there is an overflowing effect. There's an overflowing effect when it comes to our neighbors and the people that are around us and the community, that they would understand the grace of Jesus Christ because it's overflowing out of our life. It's not just to be contained to us. God hasn't just given us enough just for us. It overflows. It comes out of our life. I love in Colossians 1 verse 6, it says this, This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. See, Jesus is grace with a face. That's who Jesus is. He is the personification of grace. He is grace. When it comes to our lives and understanding that we can find hope in Him, we can always know that we can look to Jesus and His love and His grace is towards us. 
I love in Scripture, it says so clearly in 2 Peter 3 verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge and love of our Savior Jesus. 2 Timothy 2 verse 1 says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say be strong in your own self-importance. It doesn't say be strong in your own academic ability. It doesn't say be strong in all of the achievements that you've, you've achieved in your life. It doesn't say be strong in all that you have accumulated in your life. It says be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. Not in ourselves, but in who Jesus is. In his love for us, that his transforming work on the inside of us has changed us. That's the strength that I want to have. That's the kind of strength I want to have in my life where I understand that it's Jesus that does all the work and does all the transformation in my life. I love in Ephesians 1 verse 5, it says, For it was always in the perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For this same love he has had for this beloved Jesus he has for us, And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood. The total cancellation of our sins. All because of the cascading riches of his grace. This super abundant grace is already powerful working in us. Releasing within us all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. And isn't that true? The grace of Jesus Christ isn't just to forgive us of our sins. It's to enable us to be able to do what God is calling us to do. Every single one of us has a purpose and a plan for our lives. God has assigned us and appointed us to be used by Him. He has enabled and equipped us by His grace to be used to spread this message of the gospel. To make sure that others would know and would find out about the grace of Jesus Christ. Does that sound good to you this morning? I don't know about you, but there's something exciting about the grace of Jesus Christ. I don't know whether, guys, it's possible to please turn the lights up a little bit. I'd love to see the beautiful faces of the people in the congregation this morning. There they are. I can see you're looking fantastic this morning. I love about Jesus when I look through the Gospels and I look at the disciples that Jesus chose, the 12 people that Jesus had assigned to be able to follow him and be his specific disciples. I'm so encouraged when I look at their life because when I look at them, I see a betrayer. I see someone that denied Jesus. I see a doubter. I see disciples that fought over who was the greatest. I see disciples that treated badly children and treated badly uh, people with major health issues and said, stay away from Jesus and push people away. I see disciples that didn't trust Jesus until he backed it up with a miracle. And I saw in the disciples, I see that they oftentimes tried to prevent Jesus from doing the will that God had called him to do. And it's encouraging to me, not because the disciples were bad, but it's encouraging to me because I'm a disciple as well, and I can be bad. 
I can make mistakes. I am flawed just like them. I'm imperfect just like these 12 disciples. And it's the same when it comes to you and to I. We are flawed. We don't have it all together. We are not perfect in our behavior. But isn't it incredible that Jesus chooses to use you and I? He chooses to use imperfect people to outpour his grace in the community, into, into the society that we live, so that people would know his love. What a great weapon that we aren't perfect, but yet we are loved by God. We are forgiven. We are full of hope because of what Jesus has done in us, not our own self-importance or who we are. And so I want to look this morning at 1 Timothy chapter 13, and uh, sorry, 1 Timothy 1 verse 13. And I want to just uh, read this passage this morning and speak out of it. Five things that grace does in our life. And so 1 Timothy 1 verse 13 says this, Mercy kissed me, even though I used to be a blasphemer. This is Paul speaking. And we know about Paul's journey that he encountered Jesus in a powerful way as he was walking along. And uh, Jesus, or manifestation of who Jesus was, appeared to him. And, uh, and shocked Paul. He was riding along and there's this voice that yells out to him, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And there was this encounter, this radical encounter moment where Paul encountered Jesus. And so here he was, this man that had been going along persecuting Christians, trying to put uh, Christians into jail, trying to see them tortured and beaten uh, because of their faith. And Jesus meets Paul on this road and it radically changes his life. Says, mercy kissed me, even though I used to be a blasphemer, a persecutor of believers, and a scorner of what turned out to be true. I was ignorant and didn't know what I was doing. I was flooded with such incredible grace, like a river overflowing its banks, until I was full of faith and love for Jesus, the anointed one. I can testify that the word is true. And deserves to be received by all. For Jesus Christ came into the world to bring sinners back to life. Even me, the worst sinner of all. Yet I was captured by grace. So that Jesus Christ could display through me the outpouring of the Spirit. As a pattern to be seen for all those who would believe in Him for eternal life. Because of this, my praises rise to the King of all the universe, who is indestructible, invincible, and full of glory. The only God who is worthy of the highest honors throughout all of time and throughout the eternity of eternities. Amen. What a passage. What a reminder to each one of us. So five things this morning that grace does. The first one is this. Number one, grace forgives us of our sins. I love that Paul is reminded that he is a blasphemer, somebody that persecuted the church. But he starts this passage by saying, mercy kissed me. Mercy kissed me. I remember when I was about 13 years old and I had this girlfriend. And I know, powerful times when you're 13, it's very incredible times, and uh, very deep relationships at that age. 
And so this, as, thir- as a 13-year-old, early high school, I was quite a nervous kind of kid and quite almost embarrassed to have a girlfriend. And so I had this girlfriend and she was quite the opposite. She was quite forthright, quite uh, open in her affection. And so she came up to me one day, and I think this was just before we were dating, and she, she just looked me in the eyes and she said, I'm going to kiss you. It wasn't an option, it wasn't a question, like, would you mind if I kissed you? It was a statement, I am going to kiss you. And she looked me straight in the eyes, the next minute, my, our lips were locked and it was happening. I had no choice, I had no chance to get out, I couldn't sidestep it, it was coming. And so here I was getting kissed and I'm like, whoa, what is happening here? It was crazy. i never forget, one day, a few weeks later, I had this really bad habit of chewing my fingernails. And I was chewing my fingernails this day, and I just chewed off a bit of my fingernail, and I had it in my mouth. Sure enough, this girl's standing right near me. And just like before, I didn't have time to be able to adjust just like that song, Heaven Meets Earth Like an Unforeseen Kiss. It just happened just like that, and she just came straight in for the kiss, and I'm like, no, no fingernails in my lips. What am I going to do? I'm trying to swallow my fingernail, and this girl's coming in for the kiss. There was no choice. It was just happening, and here I was, and this kiss kind of happened. I'll tell you what, we never, ever spoke about it. I don't know whether she knew. I'm sure she would have. I don't know whether, you know, how that kind of took place, but I never, ever spoke to her about it. But to this day, it feels like a confession session this morning. I'm telling someone for the first time. Grace. But isn't it just like Jesus when we are not expecting it? When our behavior isn't enough and we have a fingernail in our mouth and we don't feel like we are perfect enough. God's mercy and God's grace kisses us. And there's many of us here this morning that have encountered that kind of grace. And here's the thought. The grace isn't timid. It isn't shy. It isn't waiting. It's there. It's looking for you to be able to look towards him. And as soon as you do, the grace of Jesus Christ is there for you. You don't have to jump through a whole bunch of hoops. You don't have to try and have it all together. Your behavior doesn't have to be good long enough to be able to receive it. The grace of Jesus Christ, mercy's kiss is available for you. His kiss is there. It's available for you to encounter at any moment. As soon as we lean in and we make that decision to lean into God, His grace isn't timid. I love in Romans 3 verse 20, it says, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. In other words, just because we keep all the rules, that does not make us righteous. That does not make us perfect. That does not make us deserving of the grace of Jesus Christ. It is illogical. Verse 21 says, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of Jesus Christ. And all are justified freely by His grace. See, I think the problem that we have today is forgiving ourselves. So many of us struggle with dealing with our past. We have a grace for our past, and there is a grace for our present, and there is a grace for our future. 
And so many of us can't move past the sins and the failure and the mistakes of our past. There's things that we have done, there's things that we have done wrong that sometimes can feel like they are a barrier, they're a prison cell around us and we can never escape from. But can I encourage you this morning, it's not your good works that have made you righteous. It's not your good works that have earned you the grace of Jesus Christ. It's his love for you. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. But God's grace was poured out for you because he loves you. So be reminded this morning, every time there's that condemning voice telling you, you are not good enough. You are not deserving of forgiveness and reminding you of your failure. Remember this, that Jesus has set up your future and it's on a foundation of his grace, not on your good works. We'll fail today, we'll fail tomorrow and we'll fail next week. But God's grace will never fail us. Every saint has got a past. Every sinner has got a future. Every one of us are set up because of the foundation of the grace of Jesus Christ. The second thing this morning is this, is grace enables our calling. We talk about graces in terms of forgiving and looking after our past, but grace is also a strength to be able to enable us to live out our calling. Tim articulated so beautifully last Sunday about the fact that we, each one of us have thorns in our flesh. We have challenges that we will face. It doesn't necessarily mean that when we make a decision to follow Jesus Christ that everything is going to be perfect. It doesn't necessarily mean that your life is going to be fantastic from that moment. But what it does mean is that you have the grace of Jesus Christ to enable you, to strengthen you, no matter the season, no matter the circumstance, His grace is enough. In fact, He says that to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect even in your weakness. And so when you feel weak, when you feel vulnerable, when you feel like you could not do it in your own strength, it's a perfect position to be in because that is a position where God's enabling power can work through your life. See, I'm standing on a platform this morning and there's a small amount of people that will stand on this platform here in this church building this morning. But can I say this, that every one of us in this room has a platform. We all have a calling. Our calling is to serve God. It looks different for every one of us. There are different ways that we serve God. There are different giftings and talents. We have different personalities and temperaments. We have different ways of outworking that. We have different friendship groups. We have different workplaces. We have different families. We have all different flavors. But it's the same grace of Jesus Christ that enables us. We outwork it in all of these different ways, but it's his enabling grace that works through our lives. I love in Hebrews 14 verse 16, it says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace, not works, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I love that we can approach God with boldness. I love that we can approach his throne of grace with confidence. Have you ever seen a, a particular sporting star as they've run through the field or as they're just doing what they would naturally do in a sporting moment and you kind of watch it on TV and there's just such a gracefulness about, about the way they run, about the way that they catch the ball or the way that they throw a ball or whatever they would do on the sporting field that just seems so incredible. You watch a sprinter sprint and it just seems so graceful. And then you kind of watch that on TV and you think, you know what? I'm going to apply that. 
And you go outside and you start to do it and it just doesn't feel as graceful. You're trying to run around, you're trying to jump and it just doesn't seem like it has that same level of grace. Well, there's a difference to it. Because there's a confidence that that particular sporting athlete has because they've done it out of repetition. They've done it many, many times and they've built a confidence and with that confidence comes a grace. And I love the fact when we go to Jesus time and time again with confidence, there is a grace that flows off our life. When we get alone with God in prayer, when we read the Bible, when we worship God and just spend time with Him, there's something powerful that happens. There's a confidence. Intimacy produces authority. It does something on the inside of you where there's this grace that starts to pour out. Because we go to Him with confidence. And every one of us are enabled in our calling. God has given you and equipped you with all that you need to do what He has called you to do. The enabling grace of Jesus Christ is enough. I love Titus uh, 2 verse 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. That's the kind of grace we have access to. The grace that gives us the ability to say no to the wrong things and to say yes to what God's calling us to do and to walk on that path and be enabled to do everything that he's calling us to do. You are graced and you are gifted. There are things that God has called you to do, not the person next to you, not a family member, not a friend, but God has individually called and equipped and enabled you to do. And many times we, uh, we tell ourselves that we aren't the person to do it. We talk ourselves out of all the things God's called us to do because we try and find other better qualified candidates. And what's interesting to me, I, I heard on a podcast just this week, anybody used to go to Blockbuster videos? How popular was it? Blockbuster videos, you go and, and picked up your video and then, then it became DVDs and then it became Blu-rays and, and you go in there and you could search for hours going up and down the aisles. It was just such a beautiful time. We all now know that Blockbuster doesn't exist. But here's the thing, a few years ago, Blockbuster, there was a CEO that was heading up Blockbuster and he took to the board this idea that perhaps we need to change our business model because... There's an idea that perhaps we need to move to more of a streaming kind of service, a more subscription kind of based service, because if we continue on this way, technology is moving forward and we're going to be outdated. Well, he went to the board about it and the board said, you know what? No, we can't do that because 12% of our revenue comes from late fees. And so we can't change our business model because we don't want to miss out on the late fees. Anybody ever been guilty of that? And so we don't want to miss out on the late fees, so we can't change our business model. Sure enough, a couple of, year late, couple of years later, Blockbuster is closed. It's gone. It's finito. Because they didn't change their business model. All these things like Netflix and Stan came in, and they just robbed Blockbuster of all of the business. Shouldn't it have been the company that specialized in videos? to be the people that were on the forefront of bringing to us movies and series and things like that and bringing that to us in a new way that was more accessible. But what had happened is that they had forgot what they were called to do. They had got so comfortable living in where they were and the late fees that were coming in. Oh, those beautiful 12% of late fees. 
Oh, they rue the day that they did not ever think about changing it. What's God called you to do that maybe he's adapting and he's building in your life? There's a dream on the inside of you that only you can do. Don't stay comfortable. Don't stay surrounded by the late fees. Don't just keep thinking about the things that you're doing right now and what God's called you to do right now. Think forward into the future and say, what has God equipped and enabled me to do? Maybe there's new things ahead. Maybe there's new things he wants to pioneer. Maybe there's new dreams that he wants to do. Maybe there's a business on the inside of you that perhaps isn't outside right now but there's something on the inside that could be formed god's enabling power will equip you to achieve all that he has called you to do let me ask you this morning what has he called you to do because everything that he's called you to do he has enabled you to do he's given you the strength to be able to do it even from a place of weakness i remember when i first was looking at moving here to the blue mountains from the hunter valley had this prophecy over my life this man said to me your gift will make room for you. It's a scripture. It's a passage that he quoted. He said, your gift will make room for you. What did I have? I had nothing. I had no job. I had no prospect of a job. I had no understanding. I was moving to a new area that I didn't know anybody, didn't know any details. We moved here to Penrith and to the Blue Mountains. We joined this church. We had no understanding of that, but I just held on to that word. Your gift will make room for you. Your gift will make room for you. I was at a weak point and I thought that does not make any sense at all whatsoever. Your gift will make room for you. Your gift will make room for you. Just keep speaking it. Just keep reminding myself, your gift will make room for you. And isn't it incredible how God just opened up opportunities how God just brings things forward I would never have thought in my wildest dreams to have the opportunity to lead this church when I was the person that had left a job in faith and moved to an area in faith with a word that said God's gift will make room for you and there wasn't any room (laughs) and then God made room isn't that such a God move to do and what in your life are you talking God out of but God has made room for you He has enabled you. He has equipped you. He has set up a platform for you. Whatever God has called you to do, God has looked after it. Where God guides, He provides. He looks after the details for you. Thirdly, this morning, grace testifies for you. Going back to the key text in 1 Timothy 1 verse 15, it says, I can testify that the word is true and deserves to be received by all. For Jesus Christ came into the world to bring sinners back to life, even me, the worst of all sinners. See, grace, it does the heavy lifting of testifying for you. When you encounter somebody that has met the grace of Jesus Christ, it speaks volumes for the person. Because you look at them and there's a transformation work that takes place on the inside and you know that person. You know they're not perfect. You know they don't have it all together. But when they've encountered Jesus, change starts to happen. Overflowing grace starts to be poured out. It starts to change their thinking. It does something powerful. You think about Zacchaeus. He climbed up a tree to see Jesus. Jesus said, hey, tonight I'm going to come and have dinner at your place. And that dinner ended with Jesus giving away all back to all the people that he'd wronged. He gave his finances away. He gave all that he'd done uh, wrong towards others and he apologized and he gave money. He gave his finances away. There was a transformation work. It was just evidence of the grace of Jesus Christ doing something in his life. And I wonder what God's grace has done in your life. 
I'm sure the people around you could testify and say, you know what, there's something different about that person. There is something different. It's not their perfect behavior. There's just something different. I just can't understand it. It's the grace of Jesus. When you're connected to Jesus, transformation just naturally happens. It just naturally happens. It's a bit like an orange on an orange tree. An orange tree is not there just going, You don't walk past orange trees and you hear them groaning. They just naturally produce oranges. It's just a natural result. It just happens. And it's the same when it comes to your relationship with Jesus. There's so many Christians. Ah, I'm trying hard. I'm trying to be good. And they're groaning and they're trying all this kind of stuff. It's like, relax. Receive the grace of Jesus. You're not good enough. Even your best efforts aren't good enough. Receive his grace. You're not birthing a baby. (laughs) You've received God's grace. So many Christians are tense and their face is so serious. They've been sucking lemons. They just seem so intense. That's not God's grace. God's grace is total forgiveness. God's grace is enabling. God's grace is testifying for you. God's grace is working through you. It's overflowing every area of your life. That's the grace of Jesus Christ. Too many people are on the treadmill, striving, working hard, trying to be good enough. That's never going to lead to peace. It's from the grace of Jesus Christ that your life will be living with purpose and understanding. I love in Galatians 2 verse 21, it says this, I did not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. I don't set it aside. Can I encourage you? Don't set aside the grace of Jesus Christ. Don't say, oh, that's, that, that, I'm going to put that over there. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to try and work towards it. Don't live like that. You're going to live frustrated. You're going to live angry. You're going to live striving. But you can just live in the grace of Jesus Christ. It's such a freeing place to live. Fourthly, this morning, grace empowers us to break through with our gifts. It says, yet I was captured by grace, going back to 1 Timothy 1 verse 16, so that Jesus Christ could display through me the outpouring of his spirit as a pattern to be seen for all those who believe in him for eternal life. Ephesians 4 verse 7 says this, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. I think about this when it comes to a house. Inside of our houses, every one of us has furniture and your furniture has a function. It has a part to play. Your toilet brush isn't trying to be a lamp and your lamp isn't trying to be a toilet brush. When you think about your lounge, it's not trying to be a microwave. When you think about your oven, it's not trying to be a TV. It's just being what it's meant to be. And how silly would it be if we tried to take a lamp and we got into our toilet and we tried to make it a toilet brush? How silly would it be if we tried to take a lamp and we tried to sit on it as if it was a lounge? It would just be foolish to do that. But yet we live in a society today where we are so enamored with comparison. We are so enamored with what this person has, this shiny house, this incredible car, what they've achieved. We are so enamored with that that we oftentimes forget what we are called to do. If your house was just full of lounges, how silly would that be? You'd never be able to cook anything. You'd never be able to do anything else. You wouldn't be able to 
to, to make sure that you do just your regular things. You can't wash the dishes with your lounge. And so many of us are trying to be like that. We're all just trying to be the same thing. We're trying to find somebody else that we like and then trying to be like them. But we rob ourselves of the blessing. So your lounge makes you feel comfortable. And it's an ability that someone might have in this room today. That you've got a function to be able to make others feel comfortable. A fridge can keep things cool. How often do we need someone in our life that they're just cool as a cucumber? It doesn't matter what happens in their life, they are just relaxed. A microwave has an ability to heat things up. Isn't it good to have people in our lives that bring passion, that bring enthusiasm, that come into a situation and they get you excited about the future? What about a lamp in dark areas? Someone that just lights up a room, that comes into church and they just bring such joy and enthusiasm. And what about a toilet brush? (laughs) Who wants to be the toilet brush? Isn't that the perfect example of serving behind the scenes? (laughs) Cleaning up the mess that other people have made. Our tech guys are a bit like the toilet brush. No one sees them, but they're just constantly cleaning up. They're constantly looking after the service, making sure that things flow. and, And they're incredible. They never get any of the credit. But things wouldn't look as clean, as shiny without them. Every one of us plays our part. Every one of us has a part to play. Don't rob others from your gift. Imagine if I lived my life trying to be Tim Campbell. I would suffer, but more than, me, more than that, you would suffer. Imagine me trying to get up here and lead worship on a Sunday. Jesus loves me this I you'd have that beautiful voice singing to you every week I'm not graced to sing like Tim I'm not graced to raise Tim's kids I'm not graced to run Tim's business I'm graced to be me and if I tried to be Tim I would rob myself of the blessing and I'm sure I would rob you of the blessing and so can I encourage you what are you called to do celebrate your grace don't compare your grace Celebrate what God's called you to do, your grace zone, what you're meant to do. 1 Peter 4 verse 10 says this, Each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Every piece of furniture has a function. Every person in God's house has a function and a part to play, both inside the church and outside of the church. You are empowered with gift and anointing that only you can do. God has set you up for tasks to do before you were even born, that you would walk in them with confidence and authority, that you would do what God has called you to do. What has He asked you to do? What has He equipped and empowered you to do? Let's not try and be looking to the person on our left or on our right. Let's look to God and say, God, what do you want me to do? Because God has empowered you to break through with your gifts. Not just to stay the same, but to break through. So let's not compare. Let's understand that our gifts are an ability that God wants to use in our lives. Number five, and finally this morning, grace brings us to a place of thankfulness and praise. If the team want to come back up. Going back to 1 Timothy 1 verse 17, it says, Because of this, my praises rise to the King of all the universe, who is indestructible, invincible, and full of glory, the only God who is worthy of the highest honors, and throughout all of time, throughout the eternity of eternities. Amen. And isn't that what grace causes us to do? 
It causes us to come again to Jesus and be grateful and be thankful for what he has done in our life. Imagine if it was set up this way that we could earn our own salvation. Imagine if it was set up in such a way that it was because of our good works over time that earn us God's approval and earn us God's favor. And therefore, once we finally got to that point, then we'd earn it. We'd done the hard work. Instead of the praise going to Jesus, the praise would just go to us. Because we'd look back at our track record and we would think about all the things that we'd done to achieve that. And we'd give ourselves a pat on the back and say, fantastic, I have made my own way into heaven. I've achieved everything that I need to achieve. And we would forget that there is a God in heaven that by his grace, because he died on the cross, Jesus was sent for every one of us and he died on the cross, that he forgave us of our sins. He rose again on the third day and he's given us victory because of his grace and his love for us. It wasn't because we earned it. So much of our society today is based on earning. We earn an income. We earn a reputation. We earn the approval of others. Spend so much time, earn, earn, earn. Just like that orange tree, earn. <laughs> but you know what we've got to get good at? Is we've got to get good at receiving God's grace. Learning to receive it. Learning to understand that it has already been done. The minute we open up our lives to Jesus, we receive his grace. The forgiveness of our past, the enabling for today, the empowering and the equipping for our future. Every part of our life is dripping with the grace of Jesus Christ. It's overflowing. It's pouring out of us. I love Judah Smith and finish on this. He says this, sometimes our brains are our own worst enemy because grace isn't logical. Isn't that true? You didn't earn it. You couldn't have done enough to get it. But His grace has been poured out. Have you accessed it today? Have you been reminded again today to go back to the source of grace, which is Jesus Christ? Stop trying to earn it and strive for it, but know in relationship with Jesus, as a natural result, your life will flow with the grace of Jesus Christ. I wonder that everyone could close your eyes and bow your heads just for a moment. I don't know where you sit spiritually this morning. I don't know whether you have received the grace of Jesus and received a relationship with Him or not. But I know in this building today that this building is full of people that God loves. And He cares so deeply about every one of us this morning. He wants you to know real hope and real relationship. He wants you to know that He's not angry or disappointed in you. But He wants you to know that you are loved and approved as you are. He's not waiting for your behavior to improve before he will give you attention. His attention and his eyes are on you right now. And so this morning in this place, if you know that you want to respond this morning and receive God's grace, you want to respond this morning and have genuine relationship with Jesus and know him personally, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And we're going to pray a prayer in a moment. Perhaps you're in here this morning and you've lost sight of the grace of Jesus. You've been striving. You've been doing your own thing. You've been distracted and you've missed the point of Christianity is a relationship with Jesus. And today you want to come back to Him into a genuine relationship with Him. 
Well, this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. So with everyone's eyes closed and heads bowed, without me embarrassing you, I want you to lift up your hand if that's you this morning. As a sign of saying, yeah, that's me, Ben. Yeah, that's me. I want to do that. If that's you right now, in this moment as we're about to pray, you know you want to receive the grace of Jesus Christ in relationship with Him. With every eye closed and head bowed this morning, I'm going to encourage you to lift up your hand right now as a sign of saying, yeah, that's me. I acknowledge it and you can put your hand straight back down. We're going to pray a prayer together this morning. And encounter the grace of Jesus Christ. Awesome.